Welcome to Hot Labor Summer. In 2008, WGA strikes went on for 100 days. In 2008, the WGA strikes cost $2 billion to the city of Los Angeles. On Tuesday, May the 2nd, 2023, WGA went on strike. On Friday, July 14th, 2023, SAG went on strike. The last time both unions were on strike simultaneously was in 1960. The California economy has now lost $3 billion due to the strikes. whole bunch of other facts and I have a whole bunch of links and I have a whole bunch of articles that you can read about this. The SAG strikes affect me. Uh, I am a member of SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild, and WGA stands for Writers Guild of America. I'm not a member of the WGA. It is... I was I was going to just recite all of these facts and try and make this funny and fun and whatever, but it's not fun. Uh, and... I know that a lot of people have been seeing the press of theme days at the lines or people walking around to music or, you know, it seems like we're having fun because we're smiling in pictures. But, you know, I wish I had a funny quip for this. People are losing their houses. People are losing everything. They're losing their cars. They're pulling their kids out of school. They're leaving Los Angeles. They're leaving New York. This is affecting everybody in a big way who's part of entertainment and that includes the people who make food for set which is called crafty that is that includes the people who work at the hotels where actors that are flown into a city work that includes the emts that are on set to make sure that we're safe that includes the lawyers that draw up the contracts that includes hair and makeup on set to make all the actors look pretty that includes the editors who make sure that the movie is put together and finalized that includes the colorist who makes sure that the picture looks great. That includes the composers who make the music that makes sure it sounds great. That includes the directors, even though the DGA is not on strike, that includes their jobs. This includes background actors. This includes people who do not just hair and makeup, but costuming. This includes people who, for their job, they do dry cleaning exclusively for the studios. A lot of studios have dry cleaners on site, but a lot of them can't handle that load when there's a lot of things happening simultaneously. So all of their jobs have been affected and writers with overall deals have been dropped. And this is affecting people from the top to the bottom. And well, you know what? Let me meet, let me say that differently. This is including the labor side of the people from the top to the bottom. This doesn't include the executive side. A lot of people have had a lot of opinions about what is actually happening on the lines and what this looks like and what a labor strike actually entails. I, it got me to thinking how many people actually work on a film and how many jobs this affects, assuming that multiple films are usually shooting simultaneously and how many jobs on average a film boasts or needs. According to IMDb, Avatar, the original, had 2,984 people credited with being attached to the film in some form or fashion. And that's just a scale of that production. Uh, Iron Man 3 credits 3,310 crew members. The average number of crew members in the top 1,000 films between 1994 and 2013 was 588. 
Over half of the top films had 500 people in their crew. On average, the top films of the past two decades have each had three, three and a half writers, seven producers, 55 people in the art department, 32 in sound, 55 in camera and electrical, and 156 in VFX, which is visual effects. 23% of the people who worked on Pokemon, the first movie, were in the music department. Films with the largest crews between 94 and 2013 were Iron Man 3, Avatar, Marvel's The Avengers, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, and Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, Lich, and the Wardrobe, which all had over 2,600 people on, on the crew. And I'm going to include the article where I pulled this from, but I don't think that people recognize or maybe recognize as unfair. I don't think people know the actual scale and the number of people that are employed by a film. And... I think that this strike can come across as a bunch of bratty people wanting more than they deserve. And this, the way that the economy stands now in entertainment it is, it is not possible to be a working class actor. Um, I believe it is possible to be a working class editor or sound designer or et cetera, et cetera. But as of right now, it's not possible to be a working class actor. And you know, I, I'm going to include a link so that if you really care about, well, not if you care, that's so aggressive, but if you're really curious about what the strikes are actually about, there'll be a link in the show notes to the SAG-AFTRA site if you want to read all of the proposals and what's going on in the WGA link I will put in there as well. And I just want people to understand when they hear the word residuals, so Residuals are long-term payments to those who worked on films and television shows negotiated by unions for reruns and other airings after the initial release. The basic pay structure was developed in 1960, the last time the writers and actors were on strike together. And I think that people don't understand what residuals mean. What they mean really and truly is the work that you put in as a camera-facing actor or a behind-the-scenes writer or editor you were a part of the process to create this beautiful work of art and you yourself got paid the initial fee of being a part of the production. And much like when a television show can go into syndication, which means how on TV, if anybody in the world still has cable, shout out to my mom, love you for holding that down. They can, you can watch friends on TBS or you can, does TBS still exist? I don't know. Or you can watch Seinfeld on literally every other channel that, residuals come from that. So that means that the work that all of those actors and writers and producers, et cetera, did years ago can still potentially earn them money, which means they can live because the studios and the cable companies and all of the places where those things are airing are still making money off of the backs of that labor that was originally done. So I think that this strike can come across as, because residuals are, I can't summarize all of the items that we are striking about, but I wanted to mention residuals because it's what I get asked about the most. And, uh, you know, I think even writers don't totally understand actors' residuals. And so on the line, we've been talking about this a lot to people who are curious. And so I just wanted to address residuals because it can seem like the way that the press is going, it looks like we're being greedy. And, there's a bar in Los Angeles that many people have heard of or know about. It's called literally residuals. And for those of us that have had the joy of receiving a check that for less than a quarter for a residual, there was, <laughs> I got a check for a penny once you can take your check down there and hang it on the wall. And it's just a sign of, you know, haha solidarity, I guess. And you know, it's funny. Uh, it's less funny right now, but it is, humorous to think about that, you know, somebody, it costs them more to print the check 
put the stamp on it and send it your way, then the check is even actually worth. And we always joke about that. And that's been, you know, a longstanding um, rite of passage, I would call it in and amongst actors. And we find it humorous, but it's less funny now. And, you know, if you listen to the two leads on Breaking Bad, well, maybe less Brian Cranston, but if you've listened to interviews with Aaron Paul on the line in Los Angeles, he has said how residuals allowed him to keep his house after Breaking Bad. You know, the work kind of dried up for him a bit. And so residuals meant that he could continue to live. And I know that with art, people feel entitled to judge people earning a living that way and really like the phrase, get a real job. But I wish people, which has been said to me on the line, people have gotten in my face. It's not, it's not an entirely pleasant experience. And I will just say that because the, the studios and the distribution companies and the cable networks and the streamers and anywhere else your favorite shows that you grew up with are airing, they're still making money off of the backs of that labor. That would be like if you walked into a restaurant as an employee, uh, this is probably a bad example. This would be if you developed a system in your office job. This is the equivalent to, I work in a managerial position and I come up with a system that is so good the corporation adopts my managerial system and that eventually forces me out of the job because they no longer need me because of this system, but they continue to make a ton of money off of that. And it's not an, an ideal equivalent, but I guess I'm trying to find a way to make this not seem like a bunch of rich actor people bitching and complaining because a big reason, there's about 10,000 members in SAG that live in Los Angeles and about 2,000 of us have been participating. And by participating, that means one or more days on the line. And so there's about 8,000 people who haven't done anything. And the union has some strong opinions about that. And lay people in entertainment have some strong opinions about that. And what I will say is, yes, some of them are going surfing and going on vacation and doing whatever they want at this time. And that's frustrating to witness, but some of them are working one of the 67 jobs that they already had in place because being a working class actor was just not an option anymore by itself. You couldn't even afford to pay for an apartment as a working class actor because that simply doesn't exist. And, you know, I think another thing that needs to be illustrated or pointed out is for Apple and for Amazon, their incentive to negotiate is very, very, very low because entertainment isn't the main way that they make their money. It's a big reason that Apple doesn't release that many original shows and the ones that they do look like cinematic, I don't know, masterpieces is really the word because I think Ted Lasso is one of the greatest television shows ever made. And that's an Apple Plus show. And they have huge budgets for their show because Apple has various streams of income. So they are not incentivized to sit down and talk with the writers or talk with the actors about us getting even a living wage. And a lot of people say, you know, well, you should move out of Los Angeles, go somewhere cheaper. And to that, I would say, you know, the industry is largely here. It's not exclusively here, but it's largely here. And my life is here. And I don't think that the solution for companies that are already making billions of dollars is to adjust to them to allow them to be able to continue to maintain 
that lifestyle and push me out of or push any of us out of the city in which we reside, it's such a wild conversation. That is a wild argument to me that I actually don't understand looking someone in the face. And this has also been said to me that, well, why don't you just leave Los Angeles and live somewhere cheaper? And I I guess why isn't the conversation because there's an infighting on the lines, like it's been really tense and I've gotten messages from friends who do other parts of entertainment that are not in front of the camera who are very, very angry. And the cops have been called on the line from people coming and screaming in people's faces. And like I mentioned, that happened to me. And it's been a really difficult experience, even though the forward facing you know, social media posts that I've done and that others have done and kind of the interviews people are doing is making it sound as though we've got this, we can keep going. Yeah, we've got this and we can keep going because most of us have a thousand other things we do to try and earn a living as we've always done, even when we are auditioning and even when we book that it wasn't necessarily a pivot away from direct work. For some people it was, but for those of us as actors who weren't able to work that often, then this was just another kind of, I don't know, just another part of the journey that we were all on. And I, I just, I don't understand how it's working that a lot of y'all are defending billionaires. I, I mean, it's just like, I understand that we have a capitalist society sort of, but I guess I, I hoarding wealth and it's, it's immoral and it's unconscionable. And I think that it is misguided when millionaire actors are the ones that are our mouthpieces. I would agree. I was at the rally. I'm not going to name names here because I don't want to get destroyed, but I do think it is misguided to have millionaires be the mouthpiece for all of us because it just furthers the narrative that a lot of you understandably believe that look at these lazy, uh, you know, sort of misguided actor people who are whining about basically having won a lottery ticket and doing the job where you can earn millions. And it's just such a small percentage of the members of SAG there are 187,000, no, 100 and, oh, let's look this up. SAG After represents more than 160,000 actors, announcers, broadcast journalists, dancers, DJs, news writers, news editors, program hosts, puppeteers, recording artists, singers, stunt performers, voiceover artists, and other professionals. So about 160,000 people are members of SAG and 10,000 of them reside in Los Angeles. And it's not a huge number of people. But I think what people are missing is that we are also arguing on the behalf of the people that aren't in the union yet. And we are arguing on behalf of all creative artists everywhere. And they're calling it hot labor summer because there's so many unions that are realizing that these companies are clearing billions off of the backs of their labor. And it's simply not fair. Our role in, in our very brief time on this planet isn't to allow the rich to become richer. It's, it's, that's not it. I just, I don't understand the number of you that are arguing on behalf of billionaires. I feel like people don't actually know what a billion is. And I mean, for me, it was a really hard concept to really fundamentally understand. And like, 
I don't know. I mean, feeling sorry for, for these people is insane to me. And, you know, most of the billionaires in the world are men. The top 15 are male. No, I'm sorry. The top 17 are male. And I just like the fact that we have people with this exorbitant amount of wealth, like Forbes did a list of the number of billionaires in the world. And this was as of 2023, there are 195 billionaires and a billion. What is actually a billion? One billion is a huge number. And I think it's really hard to conceptualize how much it actually is. And okay, so it's 1000 million. We sort of all know that it has nine zeros, you know, it's, but it's hard to actually understand what that is. And to give some perspective, if you saved $100 per day, that's every day on the calendar, you would get to $1 billion in 27,397 years, 27,397 years, that's saving a hundred dollars a day. And like, in order of it to try and understand it in a concept that like we can actually, I guess, consume. So say you're trying to like read a billion words. So the Bible for comparison has 700,000 words, which makes it takes about like 52 hours of reading. If you did like a nonstop speed of 250 words per minute, which is about average for the human race. So imagine reading more than 1000 Bibles. So in order to be able to read a thousand Bibles for the next 7.6 years, that's how long it would take you to read a billion words if you commit to like nonstop average reading with no sleep. Like most people on average will not read a billion words in their in our lifetimes. We just won't. Even if you're an avid, voracious consumer of literature, it's almost impossible to get to a billion words in your lifetime. And in order to count to one billion, it takes 30 years to do that, just to count to it. And that means never stopping, no sleeping, no rest, never skipping, talking constantly. It's like, it's a really insane number. And it's a really, I feel like it's really hard to conceptualize how much that actually is. And I think that that is, we feel distant from this. I was talking to a TV exec on the line the other day and I was saying, who is, he's arguably a very, very, very wealthy man. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know who I was talking to. (laughs) I had to Google him. Anyway, um, he was telling, he's created a lot of really famous shows. And so he has a lot of money, but he was talking to me in earnest about how I felt about everything. And I said, you know, I'm trying to be positive in general, but I was saying to him that I think that, that most humans, myself included, can't conceptualize how much a billion dollars actually is in terms of need and in terms of sort of net output and what that gives you in the world. And I just think this idea of, you know, I, I will curb stomp anybody I can to get ahead. And trust and believe I work in entertainment and I have friends in entertainment. I have friends who I know, I know for a fact would curb stomp me given the opportunity to get ahead. Like weird thing to define as a friendship, but that's just a friendship in LA baby. And I, I think it's really hard for us to actually understand the amount of money that that is and what doors that opens and what that leads to. But we are tribes people, and I think it's insane, insane to think that it's okay to shortchange everyone so that you personally, you know, CEO or person that's in charge of whatever, can continue to clear that amount of money. Your work is no more valuable than the person down on the line who's boxing up the thing that you're selling or 
you know, the crew member who's hanging a light on set to make sure that the actor is lit so that it makes, you know, sense for the scene. And that actor's work is no more important than the hair and makeup person that made them look ready for camera or the craft services people that are feeding everybody on set or the EMTs that are there to make sure that nothing happens to anybody or the colorists that make us look amazing at the end or the editors who save a bad performance so that the movie can end up doing well. It's so insane to me that we have quantified these jobs as sort of throwaway who cares and we use them every day and we use them more frequently than we use the sort of circle jerk experience that is a meeting with the CEO or someone who's in a position of power. I feel like COVID taught us nothing. And this episode isn't funny at all. I'm very frustrated. I'm very tired. And I've had, this is on the heels of a couple, like three in a row, bad customer service experiences where like money was taken from me that shouldn't have been. And so I'm just really frustrated in general. And I think that the representation of what's happening on the lines isn't accurate. And I know it's not accurate because, you know, one of my editor friends was really, really mad that he had to sign up for EBT and then also got really, really mad that we were having theme days. And look, both experiences are bad or look, both experiences are intense and really hard. And I have a ton of compassion for him. And I brought the concerns that he brought to me. I brought them to the heads of the, you know, a couple of the lines that I went to. And when I was at Fox the other day, you know, one of the strike captains said to me, like, invite him to come out on the line and see why we have to do theme days and see the little participation that we're getting and see how in order to keep people in a hundred plus degree weather walking around in the sun to try and make both a physical and a demonstrative, well, I guess the, the physical and visual, whatever, what, what are my words, just to try to make an example out of what we're actually trying to represent. They said, bring him out here and show him that it isn't fun and that no one really does want to be here. And that, you know, uh, the various people that are giving us bagels and coffee and things on the line and, and the number of, you know, Los Angeles residents who are coming up to us. I had a guy at Disney who worked at Disney. I was at a gate by myself. I was being a strike captain at a gate that was like, cause I was new. They were like, you got to go to the gate that nobody wants to go to. So I was there by myself and this Disney employee on his bike who was clearly doing like maintenance or something for the studios came up to me and he was like, Hey, how long do you think this is going to go on? And I just said, I was like, you know, I don't speak on behalf of SAG, but this is my opinion. And he said, you should know that we all stand behind you. And it just, I can't tell you how much that helped me get through the next three hours of just walking back and forth in front of a gate by myself. And that is mostly the experience. And I was at Fox on Friday and no, it was canceled on Friday. I was at Fox on Thursday and there's a gate there that isn't, it's a really, you wouldn't know that it's a gate. And there were four of us for the entire four hours. There were just four of us going back and forth and like, you know, cars tried to hit us three different times and they kept, I, that's the first time I'd been at that particular gate at Fox and they kept, you know, the people that I was with were like, oh yeah, this is normal. You know, this is what it is. And I think that people, I think that, that we're, as much as it says that we're not losing the PR game on this, I think we are because I think like even someone who I care about, a friend of mine was mad at me and mad in general. He said he's, he, to be fair, he was like, my anger isn't directed at you, but it, it was. And he was saying, you know, this is very frustrating to witness because I'm losing everything because he's now been out of work for almost six months. And I feel like I guess I don't understand. I don't know a better way to get people who are not my friends that listen to this podcast 
to understand how this fight isn't just for us and the number of people on the lines, including the person who has been in charge of a lot of shows that you know and love. I'm not naming him because I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to quote him and I don't want to make it weird. It's, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not being evasive to be cute. I, I just am not going to say his name because I didn't mention that I was going to say these stories and I didn't, he didn't know what I, you know, that I have the show and like, I don't know. Anyway, there's a lot of qualifiers to say he is arguably a millionaire. He's arguably a very, very, very wealthy man. And he said to me, we talked for about two hours and he said to me the entire time, this is a fight for our lives. And I said to him, you know, he goes, what's your, what are your thoughts on AI? I mean, he started right away. I was giving him a hard time about sunscreen. That's not a way to open, but I'm just tired. I'm talking to everyone. I don't care. And so I was like, give me some of your sunscreen. Who talks to people like this? So we ended up talking for two hours. Anyway, he said to me, he goes, okay, straight up. What do you think of AI? He goes, let's talk about this. And I was like, okay. So I said to him, I feel like it is creating an existential crisis in entertainment. And he said to me, he goes, look, He's like, here's what I, he, he said he wrote a letter to the WGA about seven years ago and said, AI is about to win. This was seven years ago. And he was like, you know, we need to get ahead of this. And he said that it kind of fell on deaf ears. Or they, they weren't entirely sure how to navigate it. And so he sort of let it alone. And then he said, and now we're here. What he thinks is going to happen is he predicted one of the streamers, he named it, but I'm not going to, is going to have an option where say you're getting ready for work one day and you have about 25 minutes before you have to be somewhere. And you're like, you know what? I just want to relax. He said that these streamers are going to have the option where you can say, I want a 25 minute movie action thriller that stars Tom Cruise and Marilyn Monroe and puts them together. And it's just for my eyes go. And that AI, the technology exists for that to happen where you have a 25 minute movie that was created just for you by AI in real time that voice matches and physically matches those actors. And it will be an incredible experience. It will be an anomaly. Only you will have seen that movie and then it goes away and either it now exists in the library of, of these streaming platforms or it literally disappears and there will be a huge novelty in that and it will be very attractive to people and it will be really hard to talk them out of it by saying, hey, AI actually did this. Like Tom Cruise didn't actually perform that and Marilyn Monroe is like very dead. So there is no way that she she was, you know, a ghost and did this whole performance. And, you know, he said, OK, maybe the estate could be given money like, OK, Marilyn Monroe's estate gets, you know, five bucks for that or whatever. And Tom Cruise's, you know, I guess it wouldn't, would it be his estate if he's alive? I guess it, whatever, who cares? Um, Tom Cruise's estate will get five bucks. Well, no, he's a guy. He'll probably get 10. And then, you know, this movie exists and it went off in the ether and that's that. And his argument was, what does that do? Because he's, so he's, there's a show that is coming out again that one of the actors died in that he's a part of. And he said, I'm very torn. What do I do? Do I, you know, replicate the voice that he was, you know, for years and years when the show first came out and continue to let his estate and his family make money because we want to make sure we honor, you know, the work that he did. And since we are, you know, having his voice, it is his work technically. And he said, or do I hire someone else to just voice match or what do I do? 
and I don't have a good solution. And I felt a little hopeless because he feels hopeless. And I, I feel like, you know, I said to him, I was like, we thought with the, we, <laughs> I'm listen, this is where I reveal that I'm 97 years old. I act like I'm 97. So mm, we, when we experienced the industrial revolution, the response was now everybody's going to be out of a job. And he said, but the difference, cause I brought up the industrial revolution and I was like, everybody was scared then. And he goes, yeah, the difference with that though, is that it changed jobs. It didn't fully replace an industry. And he said, yes, were people out of work as a direct result of, you know, using like the line of factory work and things like that. He said, yeah, a lot of jobs became automated. And, you know, he said, this is the same thing with like, we outsourced call centers. So because it was cheaper to take that labor over to India, now we have very few call centers located in the United States, which was the, a, a huge bulk of the labor force. And he said, and that's gone. So he was like, you know, the difference now though is that AI stands to replace everything. He said, AI can edit, AI can create music, AI can create logos. He said, think of the number of ad agencies that are attached to television shows and movies. He said, some of them built their entire business model around doing ads for TV and movies. And he said, they're going to be unnecessary because AI can do all of that as well. And AI can come up with movie taglines and AI can come up with, you know, can figure out the coloring of a film. It's, it truly is an existential labor crisis and it's challenging to emphasize how terrifying that actually is. And, you know, I tried to be really positive when I was talking to him and I said, well, you know, we thought with theater actors at the time, we, cause I was alive then too, cause I'm a hundred I wasn't, I wish I were, but when the talkies got created, like black and white films, like back to the Charlie Chaplin days when I was 20, when that happened, people thought the talkies were going to replace theater and the theater actors were terrified that now nobody was going to come. And of course there was a, a run to the film, the film market, and it was a novelty and it was fascinating, but then people crept back over to theater and to date it's like people, the same person that watches the Avengers and Omnimax Omnimax, that's not a thing. And IMAX then will also possibly buy tickets to, you know, the newsies if it gets rebooted or whatever that's coming to the Pandagis. And I think that what people like about a live performance, it's the reason that people listen to albums that have been pre-recorded and then a live performance is the human element that this could fail. This could all go under. This could be terrible and it could be great. You could witness miracles. It's, I don't know how many people are, everyone is, but how many of my listeners are paying attention to the Renaissance tour, which is Beyonce's current tour. She has a line where she says, big wave in the room, the crowd going to move, look around, everybody on mute. And when she says on mute, she expects the entire, these stadiums that she's selling out to be completely silent. And I think Atlanta ended up winning. She didn't tell anybody that this was the thing, by the way. She just started it on the tour and people just started doing it. And people are living for that moment where they get to put on social media when their, you know, their stadium listened and people are wilding out on people that are not, that are talking or screaming when it happens. Like it's wild, but I used that as an example to him. I said, look, people still go to concerts and want that. I was like, look at Taylor Swift's era to era's tour, which is also simultaneously happening. And how many there she's selling out stadiums. People are selling their kidneys to be able to go to these really expensive shows. I said, I, I still feel as though 
there is a certain element of the risk factor of humans potentially failing that is what is exciting about going to these shows and being a part of all of this. And I said, I'd like to believe that people that go to theaters to watch movies are going to be disconnected slightly if the thing that they're watching, they know this person doesn't actually exist. This person is not going to walk the red carpet. This editor is not going to be up for an award. You know, it's going to change award season. It's going to look at how many jobs it just award season is responsible for between, you know, musicians playing live at the awards show to the hosts, to the writers that created the show that, you know, that make the show funny to the composers that created the music that they're playing at the show. It's like the trickle down of the amount of jobs that this actually affects is what I think people can't myself included initially, but it's what people I think can't conceptualize much like we can't conceptualize what a billion dollars is. I think it's really hard unless you work in entertainment to actually understand how many hands touch a film before it gets in front of your eyes. This includes independent film and that's the gravity of that. I feel like can't be understated because look, I've been on sets where there were 15 of us and that is a insanely pared down crew. And that's an insanely small production. And, you know, a, pro- a production I produced, there were, I think, about 15 of us total. And some people volunteered their time for, in exchange for pizza, which God bless. And, you know, but for the most part, nobody was getting paid and we were just hemorrhaging money. And it was still for the love of the game. But there were still 15, 20 of us that were attached to that. And, you know, much to my shame, I'm still attached. What a garbage show, garbage production. But anyway, I live and learn. Uh, But I, I feel like it's so hard for us to understand what this will actually mean when it happens, which is why it sounds so arrogant for me to say, listen, we are, <laughs> we are all part of a labor strike. This is bigger than us. It makes me sound like a real jackass. I get that because it's as if I'm doing some grandiose work in the, in this, you know, this world or whatever, even though I feel like I'm a part of it, I'm participating in it. I will say, yeah, okay. It's a little arrogant to say that this matters so much to everyone, but I wish it mattered to you more. I really do. I really wish it mattered to all of you more. I wish it mattered to to some actors more. The actors who are scabbing. I know actors who are currently auditioning. I, I've had actors argue with me and say, well, you know, it's not really crossing because I'm doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, but it is, but it is. I wish you cared. I know you care right now about your money. I do too. I'm terrified. I care too. But don't you care about the longevity of a career where if not for this strike right now, you may never get paid to do this again, or you may get paid 15 bucks with a smack on the ass and told, see ya, hope that worked out for you. I just, I mean, it's sort of a lot of people want to hyperfixate on these false flags of arguments and you know, it's kind of a straw man argument to say, well, you guys should, if you really want to act, go act. This is on the heels of the same argument of you can always leave LA and get paid to act on a cruise ship or get paid to act in a local market. That's true. That's true. But that's not the dream. That is true. That's a true statement. If you want to act, act. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to dance, dance. Fine. Those are accurate statements. But it's so reductive 
that's not to say that doing that, those, those types of work or that type of work in those theater markets is, is something to, that is a, it is a reduction of the art or anything. No, but it's reductive to the dreams that a lot of people have when they come and move to Los Angeles specifically. If you want to stay in the market in which you were born in the small town from which you were from, or from which you are, and you want to just keep your acting to a certain level, you can do that. You can do local commercials all day. You'll probably make more money than I ever have. But it is such a frustrating thing to be on the receiving end of, whilst I'm in a profession that everybody feels they can weigh in on because some people are millionaires in this profession. It's so frustrating when people are like, well, you can just move or well, let the companies make their money. That's capitalism, baby. That's the way it goes. I don't think you guys actually understand, or I don't think people actually understand how disgusting it is that these are the same billionaires because a large contingent of them live in Los Angeles that are driving through downtown LA or the Valley or Santa Monica or any literally anywhere in LA County and stepping over the bodies of the unhoused people to get to where they're going. There's no more, it's like a Dickensian reality. There's no more, I almost said Scrooge McDuck, but it's not Scrooge McDuck, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. There's nothing more Ebenezer Scrooge without the happy ending than like, there, are there no workhouses? You know, uh, only put one piece of coal on the fire and going home to a massive mansion. It's just, it's the wildest thing to me that lay people are defending this. I, I don't actually think the people that defend this know what they're actually saying. And people are frustrated and the lines are dangerous and the cops do get called. It is not a party. You are seeing the days that the, that the LA times come. It is a party. It is really fun. There were God help us. There were stand up comics on the line at Fox this week. God help us. It was awful. You, there's not enough money on the planet for you to pay me to go do a tight five in the middle of a strike. It was 4,000 degrees outside. And I was listening to a particular comic do his set about cancer. Uh, and then they were trying because the LA times was there. There were about, I don't know, 30 of us actually at the strike. They kept trying to get us to stand in front of the comic. So it looked like more people were there. And I was like, you are out of your fucking mind. This is hell. So it is a little, it's a bit of a dystopian reality. And I will say that there have been, of course, really lovely moments. I've met a lot of wonderful people. There are a lot of people coming out on the lines who are not in either union. Uh, there's the, the hotel workers have come out with us. The hospital workers came out. The nurses union, shout out to my cousin, Michelle there. The nurses nurses union has been all up in my DMS and also have emailed me and members of the union. And they've been out with us, especially at Disney. They come out at Disney a lot because there's a hospital right there. And they don't necessarily walk the line with us because there's there's some pretty there's some pretty critical strike rules about participation in concurrent strikes. It's it's gray, and because they are in a union for healthcare and I don't know saving our lives again. Thank you, cousin Michelle. That means that they can't really be over with us. But they were playing music. They were handing water. Like so, there have been some really beautiful moments, but 
there's a reason that unions had to become formed. And do I think SAG is perfect? Absolutely not. Are there things that the union does that make me endlessly frustrated? Absolutely. Do I think that they could manage money differently? I 100% do. Do I agree with everything Fran has done or said? No, I do not. Do I agree with everything SAG leadership has ever done? Absolutely not. But am I still proud to be part of a union that is now fighting for the the essentially future of this industry? Absolutely. Am I wearing my shirt proudly on the line that I'm utterly sweating through? <laughs> yes, I am. And, you know, I was, I didn't really want to, I've mentioned the strikes on the show before and I've mentioned being out there. But what motivated me to make this about this is it's Labor Day. We are off from the lines. By the time you're hearing this, this will be Monday. And um, today's our day off. And, you know, we're holding the line. WGA is not going to be there on Tuesday. And we are. We're holding the line for them. And, you know, SAG hasn't done everything perfectly. And the WGA hasn't done everything perfectly. And there's been some shitty messaging and on both sides. And I don't, you know, it's a bunch of human beings in fighting with one another. It, it's tough. It's a really, really, really tough time. But if you've made it all the way through this episode right now, which I fucking doubt any of you have, <laughs> I just wanted to address it because I think that the false messaging and I think that, you know, what I've put on socials for those of you that follow me on my personal page, you've seen like I've put music to stuff and I've shown pictures of smiling with people that's not showing the other the four other days in the week where it's just walking in circles sweating like crazy and then trying to remember why I'm you know dizzy in the shower when I get home and it's like right because I'm dehydrated again there are bigger problems there are bigger fish to fry we have unhoused people that live in those conditions seven days a week and they don't have access to showers and it's an abysmal time in this in in the for the economy right now and I am not taking sides on that I'm just saying the entertainment economy and the future of this industry is for sure at stake. And I'm so grateful for all of the support that I've got. I've gotten so much support, um, checking in, you know, people donating to the entertainment community fund, which I will put a link to that in the show notes, please. If you're looking for somewhere to put your money, the entertainment community fund has a crisis pot that for the people that may actually end up losing their houses, they are get, being given money. And you've seen some of the, uh, more recognizable face celebrities are donating to that. And it's just, you know, it feels, I keep calling it the peasant's revolt, which is also reductive and gross, but like whatever, by the fifth day with the sun in my entire, like the eating the innards of my soul, I'm just like, whatever, this is the peasant's revolt because there's not really another way to say it because that's what it feels like. And you know, the number of people who aren't even remotely in entertainment, uh, there's a guy named Nick, who's a designer whose handle I'll put in the show notes as well, who felt like our signs at Disney needed a glow up. And so he went to Home Depot, paid for everything himself. So he went to a hardware store, paid for everything himself, cut out these signs and started just handing them out. And he just said, keep going. He's like, this represents, this is bigger than entertainment. We're so grateful you guys are doing this. He's been out on the lines during his lunch break. He runs his own business. And not only is he coming out to drop off signs, he's also coming out to march with us. And those kinds of moments, I think I will remember for the rest of my life. And they feel bigger than me and they feel really important. And this sense of community that I think we were all missing during COVID really is being uh, experienced or expressed now. 
and I went to my local McDonald's for my mm, 17th coffee of the day. And I came in with my strike shirt because we had just finished. It was like 1230 or whatever. And I walked in and I don't think about it when I have the shirt on because I've just been marching out in the sun and my brain is melted out of my butt. And this guy walked up to me who worked at McDonald's and he said, hey, I support you guys. And he pulled out his phone and he there was a SAG sticker on his phone. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. That's so great. And then this other girl came up and she said, my brother really wants to be an actor. We support you guys. And I was just like, let me not sob in the middle of McDonald's. And I only had one button. So I offered it to the guy that had the sticker. I was like, hey, do you want a button? He was like, I would love a button. He got so excited. And I was like, don't cry in McDonald's, Kate. It is not a good look. So I just cried in my car after. Uh, but the support that we're getting is unbelievable. I went to the grocery store a couple nights after that, after I forget which line I had been on, and they were wearing SAG pins at the grocery store. And shout out to Bristol Farms on Sunset. Uh, that was really, really lovely to see. And I said to them, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, what is the motivation here? And they were like, we just really support you guys. We want you to know that. And I just, I was so touched. I was so touched. And so we're seeing a lot of that too. And, um, you know, shout out to, like I said, all my friends and family who have reached out and checked in and, you know, wanted to know that everything is okay. It's hard. It's a hard time. That's why this episode's not funny. And, you know, um, hot labor summer or whatever is like a cute, quippy little line, but it's the thing that keeps us sort of invested. It's the reason that someone bringing coffee to the line or someone brought a half opened, you know, box of LaCroix to the line the other day. And she was like, Hey, sorry, you know, this is all I have, but I wanted to bring it. And it was just like, are you joking? Like that is the most beautiful. Those moments are so beautiful. And it makes me feel like it's working. It makes me feel like maybe this will lend itself to a larger conversation, but the disconnect between the humans that are the CEOs, and I'm using the term humans quite literally, that they are mammals that walk upright. But the disconnect between them and us is wild. And, you know, watching people drive past us and try and hit us. Like I, when I was working that gate by myself at Disney, I almost got hit so many times and they're doing it purposefully and they're mad. And it's just, so I just wanted to clear up, you know, it's not just about theme days. Like there is, there's real stuff happening and it is really frustrating and it's hard and the support has been wonderful and we're really, really grateful. And, you know, I hope that this is over soon. And um, my prediction, and I again do not speak on behalf of SAG, nor am I a representative of the organization's larger messaging as a whole. But I think we're staring down the barrel of January before this anything productions get back up and running and before the actors will at least be in front of the camera again. And so we got a long way to go. I could be wrong. This could be over this week. I mean, I hope. I'm recording this on September the 2nd. So, you know, as of today, stuff's still happening, but it's Saturday, so whatever. The executives need their sweepy. They need to get their sweeps because they get tired. They have many important meetings and decisions to make and drink diet coconut pretzels in meetings. They get tired. They need their sweeps. Yeah, that's how I really feel. I really feel like we're dealing with a bunch of toddlers who were made, you know, these are people that were made fun of in high school, which also like get in line. I'm so tired of hearing that these executives want all this money like an Elon Musk or a Mark Zuckerberg because they were nerds that were made fun of. I was so relentlessly bullied. I had to move schools. Please miss me with the they get a pass because they were made fun of. Get in fucking line, bro. That is not a reason to be horrifying to humans. In fact, it's a reason to do the opposite. 
So this is me screaming. Uh, I'm really grateful if you made it all the way through. Thanks for listening. Thank you for all of you who have asked questions without accusation and have just wanted to know what I feel on things. That is so rewarding. I can't tell you how good it feels to make it seem like, I don't know, something I'm saying about this stuff matters. And please do DM me for questions. You know, again, I can't speak on behalf of SAG, but I can put a whole bunch of resources in the show notes in case you're curious about reading the long, long, long interchanges that we've had with the AMPTP. And, you know, there are a shout out to, I have friends that are studio executives who I love very dearly, who have, uh, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to get her in trouble, but who have brought us water on the lines. You know who you are and I really appreciate you and snacks. She brought me snacks too. That was really nice. And who have been very publicly supportive of what we're doing. And she has to cross the strike line every single day to go to work. And she works for the loveliest human beings. They're on a sort of different side of the executives and studios, but I know other people that work for executives or are executives and, they are struggling with uh, the emotional side of this for them that they still have to pay their rent and they still have to, you know, they're not allowed to be done. And I know a lot of people who have lost jobs during this time who were working on the behind the scenes, like colorists and composers who are out of work right now, who were working in offices and they were doing coloring and composing for commercials and were for film and TV and they are out of work. And so people are losing everything. I mean, the strikes really are representative of a larger message but the stakes really are high. So it's hard for me to come up with jokes. It's hard for me to be funny right now um, about this particular thing. You know, I've been trying, but it's hard. So yeah, if you know of anybody that works in entertainment that's been affected by this, like just see if they're okay. Uh, mental health is really scary for me that there are some people on the lines who um, this far in, these are people I saw in the beginning when it was just the writers and we go to the line and they'd be lovely and happy and whatever, thinking it was gonna end quickly. And uh, there's not a lot of joy anymore on the lines and it's not supposed to be a joyful experience but reach out to your people make sure they're okay i am think you know this isn't a cry for help <laughs> catch me in 60 days maybe it will be but it's not right now and i'm you know i cleared it by the way with sag about this show and i was like hey am i scabbing if i continue to do the show like i'll shut it down and uh, i was told no because this isn't what is being argued right now, because uh, this is sort of a separate medium. And I don't actually do this production under SAG. This is obviously me independent of whatever. I don't know, y'all. It, um, it is a time. And I will say, at all the open mics, there are so many famous people there now that I'm just like, what is happening? I don't want to try out a new joke in front of this prolific person who I respect and have been watching for a really long time. Like, and then I watch them bomb and that feels really good. That's rude, but I'm being honest, but just shout out to all my artist friends, shout out to my comic friends, shout out to my actor friends, shout out to the number of people, shout out to my editor friend who is frustrated, shout out to my composer friends who are frustrated, shout out to all the people that have reached out to be honest about how mad they are. I get it. It sounds cheesy, but I do feel like we're all in this together. And so here's to the funniest episode that has ever been recorded of this show and the least amount of screaming ever done. I was just really peaceful, really peaceful. So it's hot labor summer. That's where we're at. Thank you folks so much for listening. If you made it this way far through, feel free to share this with people. If they have questions, you can always DM me service or you can email me service from podcast at gmail.com. Um, happy to answer questions about this as well. Ugh, we're in it y'all. We're in it. Thank you for all of your support. Donate to the Entertainment Community Fund. 
I think we'll see you all next week. I guess we'll find out. Good night. (laughs) 